verse 11 here through um, 3.13. This is the word of the Lord this morning, and let's treat it as such. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometime were far off are made near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows to a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are built together for a habitation of God, through the Spirit. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given toward you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as he wrote before in a few words, whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Jesus, there is so much embedded in this passage about your purposes. In fact, it's described as the eternal purpose of God to show the watching universe the glory of God through the wisdom of your design in your church. Lord, I think of the difficulties going on in our world and the frustrations and seemingly chaos 
that the evil one loves to uh, wreak havoc on. Lord, I pray that our anchor would be founded in your word here this morning. That we would see that your purposes will not fail. And that our King, the one who walked out from among the dead, alive, and is alive forevermore, has the keys to death and hell. And is the one who reigns omnipotent, the one who is above all, and who has brought us to the Father. Lord, I thank you for the relationship that you have restored, reconciled. First with you, and then with others. Lord, I pray that this morning your word would work its work and sink deep as it is um, uh, so apt to do into the, into the crevices of our heart and form and change us and root out the sin and the wrong thinking that might be there and replace it with the beauty and fragrance of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the spring of 1985, the leadership at Coca-Cola took a big risk. At that time, the company was steadily losing ground to Pepsi, which had captivated America's soda drinkers with its sweet taste and had a pretty catchy advertising slogan. So Coca-Cola went back to the drawing board and brought in a consultant who encouraged them to reconsider what was core to their mission as a company. And he drew a box on a whiteboard, and then he asked the executives to put one word in that box, a word that encapsulated what Coca-Cola was all about. And the overwhelming response was the single word, taste. So the folks at Coca-Cola immediately began concocting new formulas and conducting blind taste tests. And they settled on a new soft drink flavor that they believed would win back their old customers and overpower Pepsi. But that's not what happened at all. Maybe you've heard of the product, New Coke. Or maybe you've never heard of it. The American public's reaction to that change was pretty negative, even hostile. Hateful letters. People began stockpiling old Coke in fear that it was going to go away forever. Two weeks after the company launched new Coke, the leaders of Coca-Cola began to panic. It was painfully obvious that this experiment with the taste was a, was a major marketing failure, so the leadership of Coca-Cola minus the consultant now at this point. <laughs> they gathered in that same conference room they had met in before and revisited that conversation about the company's identity. And they replaced the word taste with a new word, tradition. They went back to the company's beginning and came up with a new product based on something very old. And this led to the sale of and launch of Coca-Cola Classic. And sales began to skyrocket, and, and, and Pepsi wasn't the competitor that it was before. And the company returned to its roots and reclaimed its story. It's pretty easy for us to think that we can suddenly change our story. But the truth is pretty complicated. You can't just reinvent yourself. 
You need a person. A change from within. And we all have a history. We have a, a story that, is, that has shaped us and who we are and where we come from. And the story here of Coca-Cola in 1985 is a reminder that we all come from somewhere. In Ephesians chapter 2 through chapter 13, Paul reminds us of where we came from and what it's all about. When we lose the love that we had at first, we can have a dull, shriveled view of his plan of the church and miss the point. Have you gotten bored? Have you lost your shine and luster because there's too many other shiny things in this world? Take a look at your life and the lives of everyday Christians around you. What word goes in your box? What's the core, the essence of your story? What drives you as you live your life? And Paul gives us that answer in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1 laid out the spiritual blessings that God did to show the praise of the glory of His grace. Chapter 2, 1 through 10, shows the resurrection power that gripped us and brought us from death and bondage to new life. Now Paul is going to show this amazing entity of the church, a, a body of people that has a mission to astound the watching world. And for the watching universe to see the glorious beauty of God, God made a church for his mission. Because Jesus' church is a centerpiece of his plan to fulfill his mission, in the first few verses of 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, 11 through 13, we're going to see that Jesus opened himself wide to all the nations. Jesus opened himself wide to all the nations. Look at verse 11 here. Paul says, Wherefore remember that you being in time past, he's writing to the Gentiles, Gentiles in the flesh, you who were called uncircumcision. Circumcision was the sign of God's covenant with Israel. There was covenant people. Uncircumcision, you weren't part of God's covenant. That's who you were before. That at that time, you were without the Messiah. Being aliens, foreigners from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. Jesus opened himself wide to all the nations. He did all that was necessary. He finished the work to do what we could not do to have a relationship with God. You notice in these verses here, you, you at one time, you were called uncircumcised. You were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers had no hope without God. But that last verse in 13, but now. But now. But now in a person. Now in a representative. Now in no, none other than Jesus of Nazareth, the true king of the world. You who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Here's the point. The king's blood has been poured out. Atonement has been made. The nations can be made one with God in relationship. You and I, as God's people, as I'm assuming a mostly Gentile group here, outside the Jewish nation have been brought near into the blood of his new covenant with him. And think about it. Paul, a Jew, you would have known Israel's history. For Paul to write this, he had to remember the Gentile nations like Egypt, and Assyria, and Babylon, and Greece, and Rome. 
that had enslaved and persecuted and tried to destroy Israel. He had to think of the very Roman government he was living in right then but, uh, that was and actually in prison for, that was putting his Jewish people under oppression. But this new covenant had opened wide through the blood of Jesus for their sin. It made me think here, are there people far off that, far off from God that you and I would just want to see destroyed? People that are enemies that you would want far from mercy. People that you would love to just keep far away from God's grace. Like Jonah. To the Assyrians. You know, the reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh is not because he was scared of what the Ninevites might do, but because he knew that they would respond to God's grace and God would show mercy. And he didn't want that mercy. Jesus opened himself wide to you and I, and if he did that to you and I, then he did it to all the nations, arms stretched to receive them. What attitudes are embedded in our hearts that are, that are not like the kings that we need to repent of? The king's blood has been poured out for the nations to receive. This is part of his plan. And because he brought those who were far off in relation to him by his blood, this means that when you're joined to him, you're joined to his family. That he not only redeemed, but he brought a family together with him. And so let's look at the second part here in verse 14 through 18. Look what he says. For he is our peace who has made both one. He has broken down the middle wall of separation, partition between us. A ball having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereof. And came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were near. Through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. You see what he's saying here? It's this. Jesus didn't just open himself wide to all the nations. Jesus made a church. He made one church out of the nations. Jared, can you advance the next slide, please? Made one church. Look at the language here. Made both one. Broken down the middle wall. Abolished the enmity. Made one new man from the two. Making peace. Reconciling both to God in one body. Putting death to death the enmity. Preach to you who are far off and to you who are near. Through him we both have access. So what's the result of this? What's the result? Well, look what he says in 19 through 22. Now, therefore, here's the result. You are no more strangers and foreigners, but you're what? Fellow citizens with the saints. You're in the household of God, the family of God. You're built upon this foundation, Jesus Christ, being the chief cornerstone. He's growing you all together, joining you all together to grow a temple where God dwells in. He's not saying ethnicity and different cultures are unimportant. In fact, ethnicity is very important because God made you in a certain ethnicity, in a certain culture, 
to show his beauty and creativity. In fact, in the new heavens and the new earth, the, the, the nations are going to bring in the glory of their culture. We're not going to be generic blahs. Just think of that, the history, all the different cultures that have existed in time, and the people of God bringing that in. and shows his beauty. God shows his beauty and creativity in displaying the image of God across cultures. But it's not primary, is it? What is primary here is the one new humanity. Because the bad thing about our fallen nature with cultures and ethnicity is that's where we tend to draw dividing lines between ourselves and our relationships. That's, the, that's the, the, how, we, how we pervert that. But what's primary is this new humanity, the one new humanity, the church of Jesus Christ, to be the peace that God has made. We've been reconciled to God and restored relationship. And that means, very clearly in these verses, verse 19 through 22 particularly, that we're to be reconciled to each other because we're in tune with God now. Broken relationships have been destroyed at the cross. That's why Paul had to tell the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, stop suing each other over civil matters. If the gospel can't solve those kinds of things, then it's a pretty impotent gospel. But it's a powerful gospel. New relationship in the church has been irrevocably established with one another because of this union we have with Christ. We have the same father. We have the same older brother. And we're all lived in by the same spirit. It's like Jesus here is the cornerstone here, and we're the walls going up on top of this common foundation. He's the cornerstone that connects these two walls together. And God is shaping us into this beautiful dwelling place for him, a single temple. And we all connect together like, like, like Legos. We're fitted blocks here together for God to live in. And so God made one church out of the nations. But you know what? There's ways that churches try to divide themselves. There's ways that people within the church try to divide themselves. And do you know that takes sin up a level? Think about this. It's bad enough to have resentment in my heart to those Jesus has offered forgiveness to. Right? The unbelievers. But how much more awful is it to have that resentment to people Christ has not hesitated to welcome into his bosom by the blood poured out for us. He poured out his blood and he poured out his own presence and his spirit on them and as a, and, and, and as a father he calls them his children. And I can think of my own heart ways that I try to separate myself from others. There are ways you try to separate yourself from others in our own church. Put it in perspective with this thought. If the God of heaven does not, how dare we? What do you need to repent of that, that is actually a slap in the face of God, the God who purchased his church by his own blood and calls each one of us his beloved? It's key. It's important. Because if this new entity is so special, Paul's saying, then there's a lot we need to learn about how it functions and how we grow into it. It was a hidden truth before, but now it's been unveiled and explained 
And here's how. Look in chapter 3. Paul says in these first uh, few verses, 1 through 4, for this cause, this cause, the cause of what? The cause that Jesus has made one church out of the nations. Thirdly, Jesus gave Paul to explain the new international church. Jesus gave us a man to explain this new international, intercultural church. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. I mean, I, 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 I'm putting in some time here for this, for this particular purpose here. He says, if indeed you've heard of the dispensation, or the, the stewardship here of the grace of God which is given to me for you. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, a hidden truth that's now revealed. Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He says in verse 7, Whereof? Of this mystery. I'm giving my life for, he says. I was made a servant, a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Here's the deal. Here's what Paul's saying. A lot of words to say this. I got a job to do, guys. And I've been given this stewardship, a responsibility by God's kindness, his grace, to explain this new family that God has explained to me. And he's saying, I've already written a little bit before to you that explained the gist of it, but there's so much more. There's so much more about the former, the hidden things of Gentiles now revealed, joined together with Jews through Christ to share the spiritual blessings together in the Lord and have a reconciled relationship. And this revealed mystery is so precious of how it all worked out that Paul describes it as a special stewardship of grace he has a responsibility for. A direct revelation of the God of heaven by his spirit and something of which he now has a service like a Jewish priest did to perform by the effective working of God's power through him. This is huge. In other words, this. God is making sure we're not left in the dark. He wants this thing to explode across the planet, starting with Paul. Do you get it? Does God's plan in Abraham to bless the nations by restoring their way to reign as kings over the earth under the kings of the under the King of Kings and fill the earth with, with more image bearers and fill the earth with his glory who he's building his family up? Does that thrill you? It thrilled Paul. It blew his mind. And so many times we can have a dull, shriveled view of his plan of the church and get bored with it. We can lose our shine and luster because there's too many other shiny things we chase after. And what we need to do is repent and get a view of the body of Christ like Paul had. He didn't keep it himself. He shared it because God wants us to know and respond. And there is a response God's calling us to. The more we're sold into this mystery of the body of Christ now revealed, the more, chapter 3, 8 through 13, the more the wisdom of God through his eternal plan 
echoes around the universe. The more it multiplies and brilliant effects and, and impacts the seen and the, even the unseen world. And so fourthly, Jesus calls us to press into his plan so that the universe can see his glory. Look in verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that two things. Number one, why did God give him this grace? Two things. That I should proclaim, preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And number two, to make all men see what is the fellowship, what is the house plan of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Two things that God commissioned Paul to do. This one who is to show us the mystery of the church. Number one, proclaim among, among the non-Jews the inexhaustible treasure of the saving king. And then secondly, to make everyone able to see the plan of this mystery. The house plan for the body of Christ. In other words, what it means for the church to be the community of the king on a mission. Friends, here's the thing. Here's why this is true. When Christ emerged victorious from the tomb and he ascended into heaven where he is waiting to return, a stake was driven into this plan that marked an eternal accomplishment that would bear on all those who came to him in this epoch of time. And it's the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, look what Paul, how Paul describes it in verse 10. To the intent, to the purpose, this is the stewardship, it is for this reason, that now to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, even in the unseen realm, the manifold wisdom of God might be displayed, might be made known by the church. Why is this so key? Verse 11. Because this is God's plan all along. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed, which he planned in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. The robes of, of eternity and the new hearts of his children, Jew and Gentile, received the blood of Christ and the transforming work of the Spirit created this new people, his church, sons and daughters of his kingship, which gives the lowest beggar the highest place in the universe, doesn't it? And this hope of his soon return is what drives us to continue on and press into his plan so the universe can see his glory. Press into this new entity of his church. This has fueled saints for centuries. Through sufferings, through persecutions and trials, and even martyrdom. And will continue to do so. Just think about it. This people, as the Bible describes, this people, this people are people who know the story they're a part of. His people are people who care for his creations. His people are a people who are a blessing to the nations. His people are a people who walk in God's way. His people are a people who are redeemed for redemptive living. His people are a people who represent God to the world. His people are a people who attract others to God with a curiosity. His people are a people who know the one living God and Savior. 
His people are people who bear witness to the living God. His people are people who proclaim the gospel of Christ. His people are a people who send and are sent. His people are a people who live and work in the public square. His people are a people who praise and pray. So that we're here as human beings, chosen in Abraham to be a person for whom God's blessing reaches all nations. We're called to walk in the ways of God and justice and righteousness in a pretty corrupt world which runs away from it kind of thing, or distorts it. We're to live out the dynamic of our own redemption in our compassionate treatment of others, anchored in truth. We're to represent God to the world and draw the world to God. We're to be people whose lives demonstrate the character of God and the nature of God and attract others to come to faith in Him. And above all, we're to know the living God and be uncompromisingly loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ in our worship and witness. And since this passage is true, and God has a church for His mission, that is the centerpiece of His eternal plan, what needs to be changed? What needs to be reoriented in our lives to make what God has put in priority our priority? What needs to be shuffled or even, even removed so we seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness? What are the things that we're maybe tempted to, to quit on and not endure? Paul said in chapter 3, verse 13, Wherefore I desire, when he shares this with them, he says, I desire that you faint not, that you don't lose heart, that you don't quit at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. And then he puts his knees on the ground and prays. What refocus needs to happen so we grow into these new clothes and clothes? We won't be found far too small for the glory that he's called us to walk in. For the watching universe to see the glorious beauty of God, God made a church for his mission. And because Jesus' church is the centerpiece of his plan to fulfill his mission, Jesus opened himself wide to all the nations. Jesus made one church out of all the nations. Jesus gave Paul to explain this new international church. And Jesus wants us to press into his plan so that the universe can see his glory. Now, how is that done? Chapter 4, 1 through 16 on Pat's that. I encourage you to get involved in these discussion groups here and explore that and discover God's amazing plan is blueprint for the church as we speak the truth and love to one another, grow up and fill up the habitation of God.